we're not all made to do the same thing. And so as far as productivity comes, I feel like the search of yourself is what will find what works best for you. Because if you're someone that's more able to deliver when she's in the flow and you try to put a structure to that, you're going to be miserable and you're not going to deliver. And whatever you deliver, you're going to deliver it completely unhelpfully. It's not a matter of like, what is the right way to do it? It's the matter of how do you find who you are within the constraint of all that? Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I'm your host, Xenia, and there are so many treasures that I'm excited to share with you on today's episode. And the first one is my guest. Her name is Sophie Chiche. You may have heard of her because she is the founder of Shape House, an urban sweat lodge company in LA and New York. She started the company with $11 on her account and grew to $9 million. She has a master's degrees in psychology, journalism, and business. She has started five companies. Fun fact, she was hanging out with Ariana Huffington when she launched the Huffington Post. And most recently, she is the co-founder of Be Current, which is a guided approach to the way you organize your tasks and projects so you can soar and create the extraordinary life you want. She has an incredible TED Talk that I'm going to link to in the show notes. And I've been lucky enough after connecting with Sophie for my podcast to work with Sophie on organizing my brain and my life using the Big Current system. And it has been a game changer. The amount of energy that's been freed up through implementing the system has been huge. I knew that I wanted to share this work with my community. So I'm coming together with Sophie and her co-founder, Kate, to bring you a 90-minute workshop where you can learn and apply the Big Current system to specifically your digital life and your online presence. It's so easy to get overwhelmed with managing several social media accounts, needing to update your site, email newsletters, starting a TikTok, updating your YouTube channel, you name it. So I wanted to create a dedicated space where you can prioritize and organize it all so you can get it out of your brain and focus on what will actually move the needle in your business. So the workshop is a combination of the Be Current methodology as well as the conscious social media method. So as a result of the workshop, you will overcome resistance to tasks you want to do but are not taking actions on. You will rewire your brain to take things one step at a time. You will let go of habits and tasks that aren't serving you. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. This is just the beginning. And Sophie and Kate will also 
extremely generous to offer a giveaway. So each person who signs up for the workshop on ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com will enter to win a $3,500 package to go through the system and implement it one-on-one with Sophie and Kate. It's a big deal, y'all. The workshop will take place on September 21st, 2020, but if you're listening to this afterwards, don't worry. All the ticket holders will have access to a replay, and we will also continue selling tickets after the workshop. So if you want to be there live and be able to be in the Q&A and connect with us and share energy and space with us, join us live. But if you miss it, you can always find your ticket on ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com. However, the giveaway is only for those who will be joining us live. In this interview, we talk about feeling your feelings, productivity, the importance of sweating, managing your energy instead of your time, how Sophie lost 200 pounds, and what role energy played in it. Using visualization in business, finding your voice, the three main lessons she has learned, how to implement fluid systems, practices to connect with yourself, and how self-love is the source of any success we could ever create. Here's Sophie Chiche. Enjoy. All right, Sophie, I am so excited to meet you. One of my previous guests, Dave, the business monk, he connected us. And I recently actually got to reconnect with Dave and I was asking him, you know, why did you think that Sophie and I are a match? And what are some things you think would make sense for my listeners to ask Sophie? And he said, I just had an intuitive hit that you guys would hit it off. That's why I connected you. So I'm excited to chat. Me too. I Dave is one of my favorite humans. And when he says, go do that, I go do that. All right. So let's start with your Instagram profile. Your Instagram profile says producer, writer, hardly a writer, activator, productivity obsessed. And the link is to shapehouse.com. So please take us into the world of Sophie and what is it that you actually do day to day? What a beautiful, fun way to start. Well, funny enough, I would describe myself definitely as an entrepreneur. I've done multiple companies. I tend to see what's missing and I get really excited to fill in the gap. So I've created a few companies with that mindset, Shapehouse being one of the last one before the one I'm doing now. And that grew beautifully. It was It's a spa that focuses on sweating and help people tap into their own relationship to themselves and detox and calm down and slow down. And I, I went to the Jerusalem wall when I was very young at 10 years old, and I put a note on the wall that said that I wanted a horse and that I wanted peace in the world. And when my father died a couple of years ago, he reminded me that I got the horse and that it was time to focus on the rest. And so mm. my life has been very much about that. Um, funny enough, I ride a Harley, which is very, very loud, not very, very peaceful, but I'm also a Gemini. And I think we're complex beings. We all are complex beings, but mine manifests in liking different things and getting thrills of life from very many different ways. That's a, that's a start. So how does sweating help people tap into their own inner world? Talk to us more about how you discover that 
for yourself and what does shape house experience actually entail because i've heard about it but i've not experienced it so basically there was so you asked a few questions one is how does it bring us to our inner world one simply by slowing us down we lay down it's dark someone tucks us in in a really loving way you get to be with yourself you don't hold your phone you can still check it if it's you know without it you'd be too stressed you know we don't want to add to your stress but often clients would ask that we take it away from them <laughs> because they started to really drop into themselves and we don't have that experience very much so of course we were closed for covid and so people are going back we just reopened and um It's an incredible experience to lay down and have your body release what it doesn't need. It's like we, you know, when you think of it, we take our cars to the car dealership to clean it and cleanse it and change the oils and, you know, do all these things because when you run a car, you know, it 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 gets a little bit um some toxicity to it if you will. And so when you when you sweat, you do that to your body. It's like bringing your body to the mechanics and get a bit of a oil change and a cleanse from the inside. Is it um similar to infrared sauna? You know, it's it's not from the pers- it is infrared, uh, it's actually FAR infrared, which is the one that penetrates very deep in your body. Saunas to me have always been very uncomfortable. I don't like breathing the hot air. In the case of Shape House, we use these beds that your face is in pure, you know, just outside, not outside outside, but it's in clear air and so you're not breathing the heat um i also find the saunas to not be super comfortable you know you lay on you know my butt hurts after seconds right and it's so i'm not tempted to stay you know this experience was made the experience at shape house was really made to give people a chance to be comfortable to be pampered to be the last 15 minutes i'll be completely transparent here the last 15 minutes are, are tough you know your heart is beating you you it gets hot and you kind of want to get the heck out but that's like where the work is you know when you're working out when you're doing anything really often is when you get a certain you reach a certain peak of discomfort and that's where you transmute and that's where you transform i certainly experienced that in life in general so is mimicking that a bit by making the experience mostly comfortable and the the last chunk a little bit harder so but the benefits people get from it you know they i think at this point people that have experienced it find that the value they get from it the the benefits they get from it you know surpasses the discomfort of the last 10 minutes what are some things people experience or or say when they come out you know better sleep beautiful skin glowing skin burned calories a sense that you just slept for a couple days you just rested you know from the inside um you 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 definitely it it kind of so that's kind of the physical stuff right and then there is the more subtle more interesting maybe for this conversation where by removing the noise you know almost like the mental toxicity you know like it creates a space where people I remember when I was in the houses a lot people would walk out of their sweat and they'd be like oh my god I I need to you know change my job or oh my god I'm going to write a book or you know something dramatic but but very much in the spirit of getting closer to themselves I think metaphorically you get closer to yourself and so by doing that I think you get you get to listen to yourself in a different way and therefore create a different life which interestingly led me to my new venture which is called Be Current 
which in some ways have so much in common because BeCurrent is a, a platform basically where I teach people to be more productive, to be productive very differently than what they've understood to be productivity until now. Like I think people understand productivity more in the realm of time management, which obviously we don't manage time. Time just passes. It's like the weather, you know, you don't sit here and say, I don't, I wish there were no clouds, you know, when you can, it's not going to, it's not really going to affect the weather. And so time is the same way, but what we can affect is ourselves, you know, in the constraint of time. And so the new venture has to do with teaching people how to interact with themselves. And so they get to do the stuff that matters to them, you know, as opposed to just check off some list or do things that other people want them to do or just focus on what's next because the email just, you know, came in and therefore they have to answer. They really don't. But I think people are really wired to not hear themselves. And so the distractions, you know, just pull them out even more. And so the tool that I've developed with my partner, Kate, has become a really exciting journey to watch people become tapped into their own soul and what matters to them and how do you know what do I do tomorrow morning at eight you know when I'm aligned with my purpose and what does that look like you know so it sounds like instead of managing time and approaching productivity from this masculine side it's more about feminine approach and managing your energy priorities and values right yeah I would describe it very much like that and funny enough a lot of men So I, I know you're familiar with the idea that masculine is not necessarily in a male body, but a lot of male, male, masculine male people are seeming to be very, very attracted to it. I think it has a process to it that's very structured, but it has in it a more feminine flow and a more intuitive you decide what you do based on what you feel like doing right now, you know, as opposed to the shoulds and the have tos and somehow everything gets done when you do them from that place. Can you give us a glimpse or a tool or something that me and the listeners can start implementing right away to experience that? Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite, oh, there's so many, I mean, how long do we have? One of my favorite is um, the notion that if something's going to take less than two minutes to do it right away, it takes longer to process it and to remember it and to be in the mindset that you're going to be able to do it in a very smooth way. So if you have two minutes and it takes then less two minutes, just do it right there. And then there's this notion of mind reset. It's like a reboot for your brain, you know, where you basically, it's funny because it has so many parallels with sweating where you kind of empty what you don't need. And so part of the, the reboots that we do, we ask you to write everything down, just write it all down by hand, if possible, even, you know, you write it, you don't type it on your computer and you just make these lists of like, I need to make a will. I want to buy a house in Italy. I want to go visit my mom. Oh, wow. I miss my mom. And it's like, I just basically flow of consciousness, but stream of consciousness, but slightly geared towards stuff that you want to do, you know, not just the, um, the spiritual stuff, you know, but more, trying to tap into what are those either things that you've already committed to or things that you've dreamt of and you've not allowed yourself to really go down the path. And so write it all down. And then the system, which we use on the platform called Trello, which I'm extremely happy exists. Like when I discovered it, it was very much of a, ah, it has everything. I wish I had invented it really, because it has all the, the specifics, you know, that allow for the flow that I've developed and the process that I've developed to really 
thrive. Another one that I really love is if you have something that you have to do that you don't really want to do, it's not going to get more fun typically. It's not like, you know, like you have to do your taxes and, you know, there are consequences to not doing it. And so I'm not saying don't do the stuff that needs to be done, but almost coach yourself, you know, guide yourself to this moment of, well, I'm not going to have more fun doing my taxes the night before. Now am I? And so try to do them now, you know, try to do them when you're in the most open space to be doing it. And so it, I think it has, I think the, for a listener that could be helpful is this idea that we've abdicated our power a little bit. We've given it away and it, it's, it's, it's yours, you know, like if I choose, like I don't touch sugar. So I've lost 200 pounds. You know, that's part of my personal story. I used to be 360 pounds. And now I don't need sugar. That's it's very clear to me that sugar is a drug. It lights up in your brain, similarly to what cocaine would do to your brain. And so in my mind, it's not a question of, you know, is it, should I do a little bit of it? I just don't touch it. It's just, I don't touch heroin, you know, like when on my birthday, June 11, a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was a month ago, people were like, it's your birthday. You should have a little cake. And I was like, I don't do heroin. I don't do a little bit on my birthday. That's really where sugar has become for me. And so when you approach sugar, for me, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a coaching exercise. It's like, oh, that looks like it would have been good. And probably in the past, I would have liked it. But I don't like how I feel when I eat sugar. You know, I don't like the crash of it. I don't like the skin itching of it. I don't like the mind foggy of it. I don't like, you know, not sleeping well that night. I don't like waking up like I was drunk the next day. Like, I don't like any of those things. So to me, it's, it's, I think people have lost a little bit of, of notion that they can, they can be of service to themselves, you know, and, and the same way I don't put bananas instead of gas in my car. You know, my car wouldn't run very well, and, and we don't think of it that way for ourselves, you know, and I treat myself like I, at least as well as I treat my car. I put gas, I clean it, I, I maintain it, I change the tires. I, if, if it tells me that the brakes are going to be done soon, I change the brakes, you know, and yet... We don't do that for our bodies, right? Like we don't, when we're tired, we do coffee. Well, when I'm tired, I rest. You know, that's my big, my big discovery this year is I don't do a lot of substances. I do a little bit of tea. I kind of microdose tea. You know, I just do a little bit of it with a lot of water. So it, it does a little bit of caffeine for sure. But it's, it's done in, in such subtle ways, you know. Because otherwise, how do I know that I'm tired? You know, I don't, I don't know I'm tired if I keep, you know, myself with coffee. So I totally hear you. It's when we I've done clean program a couple of times in my life, and it takes out sugar and a lot of other things. And after those 21 days, I become so clear on how my body responds to caffeine. But the normal when I do have coffee every day and sugar, that sensitivity is just not there. And it's so interesting. In the same way, I find that being in nature also makes me more tuned into how my body is feeling. And I'm also right now doing this course on energy work and learning how to ground myself in any moment, ground myself, ground situations, ground projects, ground other people. And it's been such a beautiful reminder that we always think that the answer is somewhere out there, but we can just, by setting an intention and having that vision of being more grounded in the moment, you know, when we're not sure how our body's feeling, what do we need? Just, okay drop our cord into the earth, what are we feeling back into the body? It was just such a revelation and so funny how 
we can do so many practices and studies over the years. And sometimes I find that I forget the simplest things. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's funny that you're describing it that way, because I very much find myself treating now what doesn't cost anything, what doesn't take that much time, what doesn't require something really uncomfortable to be the blessings, you know, it's like the foods that I eat, I go to the market and I buy these gorgeous, beautiful vegetables and, and I cook them and it smells good in my house. And, you know, there's just all these like simple pleasures that we've removed ourselves from or, and to, to, to pick up on something you said that's very, very profound for me and, and very dear to my heart is this idea that when you don't do it for 21 days, like if I were to drink a coffee now, like I used to do little espressos, you know, I'm from Paris, you know, we do these little espressos and even with sugar. And seriously, if I was to do one of those right now, I think my heart would actually down <laughs> my chest. Like I think the, the, the pumping of my heart would be so intense that I think I would just like have a tachycardia attack like instantly, you know? And so when you were describing that after 21 days, you know, you, you start to feel, you start to smell, you start to... You know, like I used to smoke three packs a day, which now is a joke to my friends because, of course, I'm, I've become so clean on this side of the world and of this side of my life. But I used to smoke three packs a day and I didn't even realize how horrible I smelled because I was in it. You know, when you're in it, you don't really realize. And now I'm so rarely around people who smoke because my life is just organized in such a way that I just don't spend time with people who smoke or drink too, you know, a lot or not by moral or by ethics, you know, it's just when you rise in consciousness, people tend to be less interested in not feeling themselves, you know, and when you drink a lot or eat a lot of sugar or don't sleep enough, it's like all that stuff, it's like it, it yanks you out of you. And I want to spend time with people that are not yanking themselves out of themselves, you know, that's more interesting to me as a, as a choice. And so I love that you were in touch with that, that after 21 days, you, and then you go back to it. And the first time you're like, oh, what did I do? I shit, right. And then you do it again. And then the second time it's not as bad. And then you do it again. And then back you are, you know, and like eating things that are clearly not helping your body. Yes. So before we go to the topic of rising in consciousness, I really want to go there with you. I'm really called to ask you a couple more questions about your weight loss journey. And the, the first one is, was there a moment, a shift in your being where you made that choice? And if so, what was it that made you do that? You know, I would, I would find it even more interesting if that's okay with you, if I take it to the shift that happened on the other side where I decided gaining weight was a good idea. I think people tend to look at, you know, how do you lose weight and how do you go down? But I think it's super interesting to look at how did I go up? You know, how did I go up to 350 pounds and 55? Actually, and I'm not sure because the at the time, the needle, you know, I was using a scale that had a, it wasn't uh, electronic. It was more like a needle and it banged, you know, and it stopped at 350. So for like, <laughs> more than that even. But the journey that led me to want to cover my body like that is what's interesting to me. You know, like why, I mean, I know why. I lived in an environment that was not safe. You know, I was... There was a lot of narcissism. There was a lot of sexual kind of predatorial energy where I was born and the environment that I grew up in. My father, who's no longer alive, you know, was definitely, it wasn't like pedophilia per se, but it was definitely playing with us kids in a way that really would not be appropriate if I was to have looked at it from an adult, you know, kind of perspective. And, and I, th I think as a little girl, I saw that this energy, that vibrancy, that kind of 
almost like now I know what it is. You know, it's like this aliveness and this very vibrant energy was treated as something to be taken from me, you know, and, and building a castle around my body made a lot of sense. So, so that's how, I mean, I remember vividly making the decision that being sexy and being thin and being exposed, you know, like I've had boobs. And so when I was thin, they showed, you know, like they show now, but when I gained weight, they stopped showing, you know, because my stomach became bigger and bigger and bigger. There was no longer, if you think of it, very skinny people and very, very large people, we lose our sexual identity. Like if you see someone walking that's very large or very skinny, you don't, you know, you've taken away what makes one body versus the other, right? And so I think there was a lot of desexualizing in my attempt to hide behind, you know, this big, big, big body of mine. And as I was going down, it was interesting because I did it in phases. So to answer your question, there was a moment where I found myself in front of the refrigerator and it was two o'clock in the morning and there was nobody at the house. And I was divorced from my daughter's father at the time. And so she was away with him. And I found myself at 2 a.m. in front of the fridge and basically ready to down everything in sight. There was bread, there was Nutella, there was butter, there was ravioli, there was pizza. I mean, you name it. Like my fridge just had it all. And I would do that at night. I would just sit in front and sit in the refrigerator is the way I like to refer to it because I would literally pull up a chair with this big refrigerator and I would sit in front of it and pretty much eat everything. And that one night, for the grace of God or for the grace of, I don't know still exactly where that voice came from, but I heard, you can eat everything, but first I would like you to feel your feelings. And it was a very kind voice. It wasn't punitive, punitive. It wasn't you know, directive, you know, it was just like, can you, can you please, can you just like, can we feel our feelings, you know? And that was the beginning for me. Like I, I said, okay. I said, you know, if you're going to let me eat my food afterwards, then yes, I'll do it. And I sat at the island. It was an island at my house at the time. And I sat on that chair and just sobbed. Honestly, I sobbed. It was just so much sadness, so much despair, so much loneliness, so much anger. I mean, I had not felt feelings until I was, you know, in my 30s. So yeah, there was a backlog, you know. But as I was feeling it, I could experience myself calming down and calming down. And, and then I was like, okay, I guess I'm done, you know, like 40 minutes of it maybe. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but what felt like a nice kind of, you know, roundabout. And then I just was like, I'm not hungry anymore. I don't want food. I felt like I was... You know, that was my first time experiencing that food had played that job in my life to avoid me feeling my feelings. You know, that was really the beginning of it for me. When else has that voice appeared in your life? You know, now it happens all the time. I have to say it happens more. It's my intuition. It's my guidance. I have a very intellectual process. You know, like I tend to first hear things and think about them. and But very quickly it goes to my guts and it goes to... How does this feel? How does that align with me? How does that... I think I have a visual process a little bit as well where I see myself in the situation that's proposed, you know, like going on a vacation or making a business decision. I kind of, my body naturally, kind of almost like NLPs, if, you know, neuro-linguistic programming, if you're familiar with that. But it's like if you want to play better tennis, you know, you just watch someone play tennis that's really good and you start like kind of embodying what he does. And so from that perspective, I have a natural tendency to embody this next state, whether it's writing a book or it's preparing a meal or it's 
you know, making love or, I mean, it's everywhere. It, it really is like, what is that state I'm going to be in when I do it? And does that feel good? And it's, I have to say, it's guiding me very well. If, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's kind of... Yes. I'm curious, do you sort of see yourself outside of yourself, like you're in a movie, or do you drop deeper into your body and experience all the uh, senses that you would be experiencing if you were in that moment now? You know, I, it's a very good question. I have not thought of it this way. I think it's a little bit of both. I think I experience a sense. I mean, I, you know, we have three or four like kinesthetic and, and auditive and visionary, right? Like we use our ears, our eyes or our senses. And I think I do a little bit of all of them. I think I feel myself. I hear myself. I hear what people are saying around me. I feel like I, it's almost like I picture it, but I also feel it inside of me. So I think it's a little bit of both. Mine is definitely, if I had to pick just one sense, claircognizance. Sometimes I just know I have this unstoppable force within me. It's not even words. It's just this knowing. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize that too. I rec for, for some things, I recognize that too. And it, it is fascinating how if I hear that or feel that or sense that and I follow it, the grace that lines up in front of me is ridiculous. Like it will be like, literally I'll say, oh, I want to get onto more podcasts. And I don't tell anyone, but all of a sudden <laughs> I'm invited. Literally I was invited to like six of them around the time you asked me to do this one. It's like everyone knew it was, it was because it was, you know, it was, I think we're connected on deep, deep ways, all of us. And we, we have quieted that down and I am, in some ways, so moved and so touched by what's happening right now with all the movements of, you know, voices and people that are wanting to be seen and, and, and matter. And the fact that I'm, so I'm, I'm white and I grew up in an environment that's definitely super privileged and I'm watching what we've done, what I've done, what I've participated in doing and to watch this thing unravel and for everyone to have their place without it being because I give them their place. That's not right. But for them to take their place when really no one's given them their place either, that's not right. But that somehow it's like we're all grappling with this conversation right now is fascinating to me. And I'm thrilled to watch how it's unraveling and how it's disturbing the whole thing. And I love it. I'm just loving the time we're in right now. It's, it's really difficult and complicated and beautiful and messy and gorgeous. That disruption you're talking about and restructuring, I felt that coming on deeply somewhere in the beginning of March. And I know it's touching all of us in some ways, both our personal lives and our businesses and really calling us to review things that haven't been working and set up, whether that's new projects or new ways our businesses work or new ways to make money. I'm curious, how has that impacted you and your business? Enormously. So Enormously. Thank you for asking that. It's, it's a, um, it's a combination. Like I remember the first few days of March when it, it was starting to, I don't watch the news. I feel like when something is really important, it's going to get to me and I don't want to watch the way the news are delivered to me in this world at the moment. And so I don't let them power over my psyche that way. And so, but I, but I find out, you know, like I'm informed. I just don't do it through the news. And so my mom called me one morning, she's in Paris and she was like, have you heard about this virus thing? And I was like, no, not, not really. I mean, it was in, you know, February or January, whenever it was at the very beginning. And I was like, not really. And so I, I feel like I, I, I was late in the, in the panic, you know, boat, if I even got to the boat. Interestingly, I'm not involved with Shape House anymore in the operation side of things. And so I was supportive and I knew they were going to close because 
everything closed and particularly a space, you know, where you come to sweat and people are going to be near you so closely, of course, was the first thing to happen. And so I know it was very hard on the business from that perspective. But I also know like mid-March, I started having this sense of like, things are not going to get back to normal because normal wasn't normal. Whatever people are saying was normal was not normal. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of people using their power the wrong way. It's still happening, God knows. Um, but it's shifting and conversations are happening. And I believe in people. Like I've never been interested in politics because I don't think that's where the change really occurs. I'm glad they're doing it. I'm not an anarchist. You know, I'm happy someone is somehow holding a structure somewhere for it. It's just not where my heart is. My heart is with people. Like if you look at every big change that's happened and every movement that's made a difference, it's always from the street. It's always from the people. And so, I, you know, I'm trained as a psychologist. You know, that's my background. Um, but I'm also a journalist, funny enough. And if someone who's not in the news, that's probably why I'm not in, <laughs> interested in the news. Same thing. I trained as a journalist. And that's when I decided to never watch the news again. Exactly, exactly. And And so to answer your question, it's, it's, it's probably the thing that has deepened me, maybe other than delivering my child, which was such a cataclysmic, you know, positive way, but such an incredible, I mean, to form a baby in your body and deliver it and hold it in your arms. And my arms was positively of my whole life, the biggest, like, what the just happened, like touching her cheek and just welcoming her to this world was definitely up there the top of it really but this this moment in our lives for me is the is the second one which is where all values are being questioned all i just wrote an article about how i love um funerals which is really bizarre but i think i love funerals because in funerals people introspect i think people slow down i think people ask questions of what does life mean and all that stuff that they don't ask in the rest of life i've had the most beautiful conversations I had this fantasy of like crashing funerals, you know, just for the, just to be in that vibe with people because they, I love people when they're grieving. It's, they're real, you know, they can't, they can't fake it. I mean, those who fake it, you know, they, it's funny to watch, you know, because watching someone fake their sadness when they really, really have a lot of it, it's, it's really something to watch that crack, you know? So it's a little bit of a darker side, I guess. I love that. I love that that came up. Uh, I, You know, I want to circle back to the weight loss. There's one question that just keeps popping up. And it's this question that when our body shapes um, in the physical realm, oftentimes how we perceive ourselves and our inner world has needs some time to catch up with that new image that you had. What was your experience with that? Uh, no pun intended. It was very big um, because 350 is not, you know, I didn't lose 10 pounds. I lost myself. I lost an entire body. Even 150 is, is high. Some people are, you know, I've lost a person and a half. And so life is different, you know, as a person that cannot sit on a plane because the seats are too tight. A person who has to check when she walks in the room, you know, what chair can she sit on? Because some of them are probably not going to support her and break. So as a person who's had, you know, all of those, not never finding clothes, you know, having to, especially when I grew up, I'm 53. So, you know, 34 years ago, 35 years ago, when I was in my teens, there was no clothes. There just was no, no, there was no marketing yet towards people that were larger. And so we had to buy, you know, two pair of pants and make one out of the two. And we had to do all sorts of things, you know, to handle that. So 
it's not long ago, I would say maybe three, four years out of the 15 that this journey's been on, that I pass by a mirror and I don't not recognize myself. Like I literally will be like, oh my God, I love the way this girl is dressed, right? I love her shoes. She's so cool. And then it's like, oh my God, it's me. Like it's not that long ago. Like it, it took me 10 years to be in my thinner body or my whatever we want to call that, you know, healthier, thinner, lighter. It took me about 10 years of that to stop having things like that happen. Like I would go to a store and I would buy clothes and I would get to the cashier and the person would be like, oh, are you buying clothes for your mom or what is this? And I'd be like, no, no, it's for me. And they'd be like, honey, this is like a size 24. You're probably a size six. Like, what are you doing? Like, it took me a while. It took me a long while to catch up, to use the term you used. I love that word, to just really let my, almost like physically, there was a center of gravity difference, right? Like I would get up and for the longest time, I would, I would like almost trip because my body was in such a different shape that I, I just would physically, like I would bang myself on the walls, you know, a lot because I didn't know where my body was. Like I just, like almost like when you drive a car and then you drive a motorcycle and then when I drive my motorcycle and then I drive my car, I'm like, I can go through that. And it's like, no, you can't. That car is way wider. Like, I, I, you know, it, it dismorphs you. It's, it's, it's a thing. It's called dysmorphia. You know, we don't, there is a time where my body, I didn't know what it looked like, felt like for a long time. I, I would say the past three, four years, that's changed though. I feel like now, now when I gain a couple of pounds, you know, in, in sitting around in COVID, time, I, I gained maybe three pounds. And I was like, oh, like, what is that? Not from a, the way it looks, but just the way it felt, which is funny, obviously, because there were 150 more, you know, not that long ago. So that I would say that's what comes up. Thank you for sharing that. I think that self-love is this concept that sometimes seems, oh, you know, we all know we need to do that. But, but how often do we actually do that? And I recently had a spiritual experience where my body felt like it's a trap that's not allowing me to go out there in the cosmos and be with the stars and just see everything at once and be part of that one. But then the message I received on the other side of it as I was coming out was, no, your body is actually this gift that allows you to experience the fullness of human being. And for me, it was such a big shift. I'm curious for you, did you have any experiences? along those lines when it comes to seeing your body as that gift? There was definitely, so both. You know, my, my body was a, an enemy for a long time. I remember referring to my body as a mode of transportation for my head. You know, that's all it was. And I remember having feelings of hate that were so violent. That's the hardest part for me to still, it just makes me teary right now just telling you about it because the level of hate of myself was so high. I don't know that anyone could do anything to me that would make me feel hate them as much, you know? And so the journey for me was more about that. The, the body was re representative of it, but the journey of loving myself, which food is one of the best ways I can express love to myself, right? Like every time I, I bite on something or I chew on something or I don't chew slow enough or I don't, pick foods, you know, that I know are going to be vibrant for me, I'm hurting myself. You know, I'm just like slowly like being an enemy to myself is really how I look at it now. So to take it more spiritually, the way you experienced it, there were times in my being really, really large where I had to, it's when I learned to meditate, you know, so I was very much, 
being outside of my body was incredible. You know, that I didn't want to come back. You know, like I would meditate and I would have these experiences of seeing light, whatever, you know, hearing the sound current, whatever one does, you know, to meditate. But I remember having these moments where it would be time to come back and it would feel like, ugh, like my entire body was being moved back into like shoes that are too small, but my entire body. And it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And and I remember the one time that I meditated after having started the big journey. Like I lost almost 60 pounds in one year. And so that was very dramatic. That was very, it wasn't like slowly, you know, like it was very dramatic. And so the, the discrepancy was really large. And I remember one day waking up about to meditate and having a sense of like, I feel like it's not going to be that hard to come back to this body anymore. Like that was kind of a wink of like, it's not going to be as violent. And it was beautiful. It was maybe 15 years ago and it's been true since, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't need to be out of my body. I'm, I'm a friend. I can be out of my body as a spiritual choice, you know, as I travel those planes, but not as a get me out of here, you know? So as you mentioned, getting into meditation, what if I asked you, Sophie, to draw two lines? One is your journey of rising in consciousness in your own words. And the other line is your business journey. What have those two been like and where do they intersect? You're seriously asking the best questions anyone has asked me. Forget in a podcast, just anyone. You're, you're wonderful. This is so exciting. You know, they, they, they're very parallel. They're very, very parallel for me because all of it, all of it is and was a quest, a quest to be of service, a quest to love myself, a quest to... So if you think of it like sweating was, you know, when you're 350 pounds, you don't, you don't move around. Like, you, you, you know, getting out of your couch is a workout, right? It's so heavy. It would be like what I am now. I would be walking around with an entire body on my back at all times. You know, it's, it's really heavy. And so you break bones, you know, when you work out, I would go to the gym and I would have these phases of like, okay, let's get this thing down. Right. And I would, I would try to work out and inevitably I would like tear a muscle or because the bone structure is not really meant to carry so much weight. So, so the exercise for me was how do I get back to myself and sweating was, I can lay down and I can burn calories and I can feel good about myself and I can, you know, feel my muscles and I can, which by the way, under the weight was incredibly developed. Like I have an incredible muscle sculptor inside there because, you know, I've carried this weight all along. And so there's this, I have super strong legs and super strong arms. It's really funny to see that under, you know, once you remove the, what's around. So the two, the two lines for me were never separated. And I, and now that I teach, you know, people to integrate their lives, it's always funny when I, when I coach someone and they want to keep their personal lives separate from their professional life, it's always like, is it not you? Like, is it, do you not bring you to you to either one? Like, it's a weird, it's a weird visual for me that one perceives themselves as two separate entities almost, you know, in those, those two things. And so my business has always reflected my soul. It's always reflected my quest before Shape House, I had another venture called Life by Me, which was now 15 years ago. It was really kind of avant-garde. And it was about doing conversation. It was kind of podcasting, really. It was doing in, in conversations about what's meaningful for people. And I interviewed 800 people, which is a lot of conversations. And so I think I was always on that line of seeking 
searching, wanting to be of service. My spiritual teacher years ago, when I was maybe 17 years old, said something along the lines of being of service was the highest form of consciousness. And, and to be very specific about what that is, it's not charity, it's not even philanthropy, it's not none of those things. It's the state where you're being used, like you're part of nature. And I do my days like that. Like I, I, I follow, like I often see myself as a tree, you know, and how would the wind blow me? And how, how would I be inspired to move if I was an animal? You know, that's, that's a lot of how... I move about in my day and I've created my companies from that place. And so I, I don't see myself as separate from any of those things. They're, you know, the, the, we all microcosm of each other and we are all of the planet, which is why when you see people and how they treat the planet and how we treat the planet as a consciousness, as a collective, it's a form of self-hate, you know, it's a form of safe hate to be consuming like we consume and, and hurting the earth, the way we're hurt, hurting it, you know, it's, it's not an act of love anywhere, anywhere around. It's not an act of love. So, so what's the antidote? Self-love. You know, all my companies have, have geared towards helping people hear themselves, love themselves, discover themselves. Like I just wrote a piece on, on my website, which is becurrenttoday.com. And the piece is about every choice we make is, is, is an opportunity to love ourselves, Every choice, the way I'm sitting right now, which is, by the way, not super comfortable because the pillows, the way I organized them, wasn't the most comfortable. And then I decided not to move to not ruin the sound, you know, but that's a choice. That's not the most loving and I'll stretch and I'll recover. And, but it's also recovery. You know, how do we recover every time we do something that we could have done kinder, we could have done nicer to ourselves and to others. What do we do to, to, to repair, to recover? So on the topic of websites, one of the things we talk about, you know, the main angle really on Walk and Ride is conscious entrepreneurship and spirituality in the digital age. So what I'm really curious about is how does the internet and social media act as this tool for us to embody the visions we have for ourselves, for the impact we want to make, for making money, for creating the lifestyle we want, all of it. And you started this website 15 years ago, you know, before blogging was this big thing that it is today. So I'm curious, how have you monetized it? And also from there overall, what role has the internet and social media played in your business success? A couple of questions. The monetizing, Life by Me was about to start monetizing. We had a super cool model, which had to do, so let's say I would have interviewed you and your word, so I would, we would extract a word that represented what was most meaningful to you. So maybe for you, it would be like divine entrepreneurship or something, right? And we would then sell on the site, we would suggest three things. One was free to tap into this divine that you would have spoken of, of on, in the article. And the second one was maybe $15. And so maybe a book, you know, so maybe we would suggest a book, not yours. Typically, we would suggest someone else's, you know, to cross platform and make people discover new things and and then there was a thing that was expensive, maybe, you know, like a retreat or a class or something, right? And so if you didn't have money or didn't want to spend money, you had a cool, like, go walk on the beach or go, you know, ask a question to a wave or whatever, you know, some creative cool thing that you could do for free. And then the second one, you could spend 15 bucks on yourself, right? That a lot of people can do that. And then not everybody, but a lot of people also can do like a class that's like $500 or $1,000 and 
And then sometimes there was a retreat in Tuscany to go paint your inner self, you know, or whatever. So that was the model. Funny enough, when I started, I think it may have been the first money we brought in from doing this, I decided I was done with it. And I've been very honest with myself. That's another answer to a question you asked earlier. Like I don't stick around when things are done. I've not done it with my marriages. I've been married twice. I've left relationships that were done and I knew they were done. And it's and also because I do life full on. It's not like I leave a relationship thinking, ah, oh, maybe it could have worked if I'd done this or that because I would have done this or that. And so I don't stay in relationships that are no longer viable for me and they don't serve a purpose anymore. And a lot of people stay in those. And I do that for my jobs, you know, like when I was running companies that were bringing in a lot of money and I no longer was deriving my joy and my ego was involved. And the only reason I was doing it is because I was flattered all day, you know, that people liked what I was doing or, and that's all it was. It became like, what am I doing? You know, let's get back to our, to our soul and to our roots. And so I would stop doing that. And the monetizing now is, you know, I'm online and I introduce a lot of uh, people to our work through the channels online, but it's really more of a consulting gig. So it, it's not the typical monetizing online. The conversation about money actually happens outside. It's more of a, because it depends on the situation so much. Like I, I haven't, I'm not at the phase where I'm interested in breaking it down. Eventually, maybe I'll break it down into a system that someone can buy and watch a class. But right now it's very customized and it's very hands-on. And so I don't monetize it that way. Mm. So who would be your client with Be Current? An ideal client for Be Current is on a quest to bridge the gap between what they want to do and what they're actually doing. And if people have a purpose maybe and they haven't been able to deliver on the actions that would get them there, I'm super excited on that gap. A company that is growing very fast and they don't have the systems to do so. And so the communication becomes kind of the a war zone more because they don't know how to communicate to each other. They don't even know a mean to communicate like between emails and slacks and, you know, all these different platforms that one can communicate with another. When you're actually doing a project, it's a little tricky, you know, to, and it, it ends up hurting relationships, I think. And so having systems that are super fluid and super beautiful and super elegant and super efficient, I think it ends up creating a team spirit. And so anyone that's in that conversation, I'm interested in. Speaking of fluid systems, I'm so curious, Sophie, with your approach, you know, the allowing that space for flow and where the energy is when it comes to productivity, where's the line between being so spacious and in the flow and just being so airy that you're more in the flow and don't get as much done as possible? You know, I, I've been having trouble putting to words because that line is so thin in my experience. So I would love to hear how you describe it. It is a really difficult line to walk. I will tell you that now that I've done the research I've done on myself, my astrology, my numerology, my human design, my masculine feminine balance, my DISC, I don't know if you're familiar with DISC, D-I-S-C, my strength profile, all of that stuff plays a really big part in the way you're going to be able to deliver or not. And I... Like it would be like me becoming a gymnast, you know, like I wasn't born with the body naturally that I would do that. I could get myself to be a good gymnast if I practiced enough. I'm, I'm actually pretty flexible. You know, I could probably get there, but am I going to get a gold medal at the Olympics? No, because we're not all made to do the same thing. And so as far as productivity comes, 
I feel like the search of yourself is what will find what works best for you. Because if you're someone that's more able to deliver when she's in the flow and you try to put a structure to that, you're going to be miserable and you're not going to deliver. And whatever you deliver, you're going to deliver it completely unhelpfully. When if you're someone that really thrives in structure and someone makes you be in the flow, you're going to be suffering a lot. And so to me, it's more a quest. It's not a matter of like, what is the right way to do it? It's the matter of how do you find who you are within the constraint of all that? Like I'm blessed with a personality where I can have my head in the stars all the way and my feet are super grounded. Like I just was born with a mix of all these things that somehow that's easy for me. I work with a lot of people that's not easy for them. And so the bridge, you know, sometimes it's also an act of self-love, you know, to understand that maybe you're not going to be someone who pounds the pavement all day, you know, or maybe if you pave, if you do that, you're going to deliver zitch, you know, that's not, how, and then you're going to be walking on the beach and all of a sudden you're going to have an idea that transforms the world, like the deepest way. And you've had, you've done no work for that because that's your gift. You know, we all have, we all come with a set of, People think we all come like what just the body, like what's inside is not also enriched by our experiences of before. Like my eyes can see, my legs can walk, my soul can, you know, create, my heart can love. Like where is that all coming from? I tend to live my life from that place. And so that line is there for me. It's exactly in that meeting who you are and learning what works for you. Like I just discovered actually of all these years of productivity, I just discovered, you know how they say you're more productive in the morning or you're more productive at night. That's already something that people have kind of like grasped, right? Well, I'm super, super productive in the morning and I'm super, super productive at night. I just in the middle like to take a nap. It's like around two, like after this call, I'm going to take a little nap, not long, but that's not when I'm most efficient. and That's not when I'm most productive. So might as well rest. And then when I wake up, I'll be super, super back on my thing and I'll be doing a million things and having fun doing it because I won't be overtired and depleted. That's my two cents on that. Oof, I resonate so deeply with everything you said because it's this invitation to, really, it's the inquiry of this podcast too, to tell different stories in different ways so that everyone listening can find their own way and have something mirrored that's already within them you know, when we listen to something and it resonates and just like the lights go off, like they just did in me, there's all these fireworks, you know, it's like, yes, yes, yeah. that's right. Human design, you know, I've been applying human design more to my business and it's made such a big difference. So the more tools we find, the more pathways and ideas that we find that help us be more of ourselves, the more productive we become just naturally. That's what I'm getting from what you're saying. That's exactly right. And I think productivity has been perceived as like, there is one, that's cool. That's what we learned in school. There's one way, right? You go to school, the bell rings, now you eat. Okay, now it's geography. Okay, now it's science. Forget what you feel, forget what you want, forget what feels right. None of that, right? We're just being dragged around. And actually I ended up unschooling. Well, she unschooled herself is really a better way to say it. But my daughter unschooled herself midway because- it, it was following nothing of what we knew to be true. And so productivity is this thing that people think they're going to, one day they're going to find that shirt that fits them really well. It's like, no, you won't. You won't because that's not it's a thing that's going to come from outside. It's going to come from, you try to do your emails in the morning. Wow. You're dragging your soul. You do them in the afternoon. That seems really easy. Great. Do your emails in the afternoon. 
my flow around my period is a super important and impactful thing. Like if I try to do anything two days before my period, it all goes wrong. Do you know what I do now when I know that I'm two days before my period? Nothing. I do nothing. I literally cancel all my meetings. I rest. I cook. I write. I just like take my time. I literally try to do nothing because all I try will be a mess. But now I know that, you know, and I didn't know that in my 20s or 30s or 40s for that matter. So however long it takes to honor our own rhythms. I mean, if you parent properly, you, you should leave them alone, you know, because they will know that we're not there to teach them that stuff with them to teach. If anything, what I've taught my child, if one thing is to listen to herself and figure out, you know, what's true for her. Mm, I think it's a very European approach because I'm from Russia and my parents gave me a lot of trust in making decisions. They would kind of just lay out all the options and then say, you know, you're a smart girl, you'll figure it out. And just having that power and trust would somehow make me make the right choices most of the time. Yeah. And I'm sure we've done some, you know, detours, but I remember when my daughter moved to New York, she was very young because she had unschooled and she had decided to move to New York. And so some of it was like, okay, you know, what's safe, what's not safe. And I remember her one night calling me and saying, you know, I don't feel safe on this. Like she was coming home to some, from some play or something. And I said, well, that is where you know the truth. Like if you're not feeling safe and she's not a fearful person, you know, per se. I mean, if someone was scared all the time, I'd be like, okay, well, let's make a distinction between the real ones and the not real ones. But if someone is naturally not scared of everything, she knows, she knew. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, I don't feel like taking the metro tonight. Like, I don't want to do the subway. And I was like, great. Do you have money to take a cab? She was like, yeah. I was like, great. Does that feel safe? Yeah, great. Do that. But that came from her. And then the next day she was in a similar situation. It was late at night. I texted her. I was like, how is it feeling? She was like, wonderful. I don't feel unsafe at all. And I was like, great. That's how you know. Raised her to, to have that sense. And I think we need to raise ourselves to back to having that sense to answer that question. I think we... We have it. We just need to stop believing the noise outside of us is going to give us anything, really. A little entertainment maybe, but... What are some practices outside of sweating that help you connect to that voice? Well, I protect myself so I don't have to fix it. I don't watch violent movies. I don't watch the news, as I told you. I don't let in very much um, disturbance that way. My friends are a select group of people that I spend time with. I don't spend time with too much that affects my... It's funny because when I say that, I can hear that it could be heard as like, oh, I live in my little tower over there. I don't. I, I don't. I feel my feelings very painfully. I, I feel what the world is going through right now, just not through those channels. And um, my practices are I make love. I have a beautiful sexual partner that I absolutely find myself to be a person that grounds me and that connects me to my intuition and connects me to my safety, like makes me feel safe to the degree that I can, not that I couldn't find safety myself. I mean, that debate is old for me at this point. I find that the masculine has anchored me lately in my life in ways that I've created more. So I love that. I have a... The practice of taking baths and and slowing down at the end of the day. I, I I have you know I have multi businesses and I do a lot of things. So my day, I feel the need to disconnect from the rhythm of my day. Not so much from myself, but just from the speed at which my day was. So I take a bath. That's one of the ways that I. I mean, the minute my body touches water, I'm like, ah, right. And so that's how I do my evening after having done that. 
that's a practice. I don't, I don't have a lot of, you know, I dance. I have a, before COVID, I, I do a five rhythm class that I love. That's a practice. I practice not getting irritated when people do things that irritate me. That's my favorite practice. It's free and it's, I can take it around with me. I don't need particular shoes or chairs, you know. I love that. And, you know, you mentioning baths. It's one of the, my favorite practices that sounds so simple. And to me, it's so profound. I get some of my best messages and energetic clearings when I'm in a bath, especially, usually I'm somehow guided in taking a bath at full moon. And there's just like such massive energetic support of that. And when we finish our conversation, I'm actually going back to the other room where me and my fiance, we just built a new bathroom and we're currently tiling it so that we can put the new bathtub in because I haven't had that for a long time. So it's very exciting. <laughs> so as we wrap up, Sophie, one more question that I have for you with the businesses that you've started with the success you've experienced, if you were to look back and give your own self advice, you know, what are the top three or five, or maybe just one thing that you did to really built those bricks towards making an impact, making money, building a business, building a lifestyle that suits your vision. What were some of those, whether that was actions or mindset shifts or energetic prism through which you saw all of it, what would they be? Well, the first one that came to mind is uh, to listen to yourself. To If you're in a situation where you're hearing that something is off or that there is red flags and you've attempted to ignore them, don't ignore them. <laughs> Every time I found myself calling a situation, one of the situations recently that would have been so prolific for me, so much money would have come out of it. And I refused to do it because there was, and you know, if I was hungry and I had to do it, I probably would do things, you know, because sometimes circumstances do put you in, in but I even think that's a mindset actually, honestly, but Let's just say right now, if I were to look back, I would say don't do things that your body and your mind and your soul, any of those things. And sometimes it just whispers. So listen, listen carefully to that. And the second one would probably be attempt to love yourself as much as possible. Like every, you know, even if it's like in your closet and nobody sees you and just like hug you and just realize that it's not easy to be human. And so just have compassion and have kindness for yourself would be my my two that come to mind. I love that. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? I feel like I want to know where you come from, girl, because you you are, I love the way you're positioning this conversation. I find you grounded. I find you, I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy our conversation. Some podcasts, you know, they're a little bit canned and the same questions, whatever, but you really, I don't even think that you forced yourself to go look for different questions. I think you're following your truth and it's clear and I'm, I could not have been happier spending this hour with you. Thank you so much, Sophie. Enjoy your nap. And to everyone listening, let us know what you took away from this. I would love to see it. Tag Woken Wired on Instagram. And I'll make sure to share it with Sophie. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. If you enjoyed this episode with Sophie and are ready to experience the magic of feeling productive and energized, then head over to ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com and buy the ticket to our Conscious Social Media Method and Be Current workshop. A replay is available if you can't join us live. I will see you there.
If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where we can connect with people who are like-minded. And say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.